This podcast contains strong language and graphic depictions of criminal offenses. This episode includes discussions of murder and assault that some people may find offensive. Listener discretion is advised. Hi, everyone. Thank you for joining us for today's episode. If you're enjoying this podcast, please leave us a five-star review on your favorite listening platform and share us with your friends. Now, let's get on with the cast introductions and jump right into the case. Hello, I am David. Hey, I'm Hannah. I'm Josiah. Hi, guys. I'm Sarah. And my name is Nathan. And I'm your host, Tanner Azanero, a.k.a. The Odd One. September 9th, 2016, Royce City, Texas. Police were dispatched to a dark, lonely road around 10 p.m. as thunderstorms gathered overhead. Bob Pointer, a well-liked fire captain in his 40s, was dead behind the wheel of his younger wife's Jeep. Her name was Chasey Pointer. Police arrive. Yes, they do. <laughs> they say it like that. They Please do keep that. Do that. Police arrive on the scene and find a frantic Chasey screaming that someone had shot her husband and ran away. Bob Pointer's truck was just up the road. Apparently, he had showed up to get his wife's Jeep unstuck from the mud. Bob Pointer was shot at close range with a shotgun, but no weapon was discovered at the scene. The following audio is a few clips from Chasey's interview caught on police body camera that was shared on 48 Hours. Miss Pointer, you okay? Yeah. Okay. Um, I just can't see his face. Right. We've been having problems, and I was coming to meet him at the Jackson Box so we could talk. Uh huh. We used to stop and get. Tacos at Jack and When he come home late from work, when I went off the road, that's when I called him and I said, "I need you to come help me." And he said, "Where are you?" And I told him, "I said I'm on the dirt road. That's all I know. I don't know the numbers." And so I told right. him, "Breathe, breathe for me, Miss Pointer. I'm Calm trying. down and breathe for me, okay?" I got some questions. I, I'm trying to fill in some holes, okay? Okay. okay. Have you ever been out here before? No. no I've never, ne- never been out here before. Only tonight, right now? Yes. yes. Right now, tonight? Only, yes. Ne- have you ever driven down this road no, before? No. Not by yourself or with anyone? No. Let me ask you this, okay? And I need to be honest with me, okay? okay. Were you out here with anyone else no. other than... No. I was out here by myself. He knew that I was seeing someone, and I told him, yes, that I was. And he kept telling me the other day we could get past it. Uh-huh. And he said that he could put it behind us because he was happy and he wanted us to try to work things out. When where he backed my Jeep out, he, he moved it about 15, 10, 15 feet from where it was to make sure that it was going to be okay and he was going to drive around the corner. Mm-hmm. And then that's, there was someone saying there was, it was, it was a loud shot. And the jeep started rolling, and I didn't see anything. And I saw, I saw a shadow. That's all I saw. And when I walked up to him, I yelled his name, and I just felt something on me. And I got my, I'd already, I had my phone in my back pocket. 
and I called, I called, I, I just, I, I ran. I didn't know what else to do. Chasey tells police she was on her way to meet Bob at the local Jack in the Box while their daughter Addison was staying with a friend for the night. This is such a small town that there really aren't too many restaurants besides the Jack in the Box, so it made sense for a couple just trying to enjoy a simple date night together. After Bob pulls her Jeep out of the mud, Chasey says that a figure came out of the darkness, pulled a shotgun on Bob, and killed him. She heard the shot, called out to her husband, and ran away in fear as the figure escaped into the night. As she continued speaking to police, she began to open up about marital problems that her and Bob had been having. She said that they hadn't been spending much time together and had talked about divorce, mentioning that Bob had threatened to take their daughter Addison from Chasey. Chasey had been periodically staying with her friend Michael Garza whenever she needed to get out of the house and spend time away from Bob. That night, however, Chasey and Bob had made plans to talk at the local jack-in-the-box in the hopes of working things out. From there, as she had said, her jeep got stuck, she called Bob to get her unstuck. When he showed up, he was attacked while behind the wheel of her car. As she continues being interviewed by police, she states that she was not able to see any kind of details about the shooter at all. She just saw a figure, said that she was kind of far back from the truck, saw them shoot her husband and run away and has zero descriptors for police whatsoever. Convenient. And then she ran away? And then she like kind of ran away in fear, it seems. It was kind of all over the place yeah, when police showed up. Yeah, she sounded all over the place. Uh, well, it sounded very like scripted all over the place. It, her speech pattern was like, I don't know where this is going, but this doesn't sound convincing at all. See, I think well, I just made fun of how she was talking, so. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Police were suspicious of her friend Michael Garza, who she had been staying with occasionally. When they checked his Facebook profile out, they saw Garza in his profile picture holding a shotgun. Chasey told police, however, that Garza was a long-haul driver and was out of town at the time. Police started to suspect that Chasey was playing up the distraught wife act. They bring Chasey into an interrogation room for a formal interview where they point out to her that her story is not adding up with what they are seeing. She claimed that she was away from the Jeep when Bob was shot. However, the blood pattern splattered across her face and arms suggests that she was close to Bob when he was shot. She said that she had touched Bob after the shooting, but that still didn't explain why she had a splatter of blood on her. Chasey denied that she had anything to do with the murder. Police also point out that it's very unlikely that she didn't see any defining details about the shooter. At this point in the interview, it's become an interrogation. The questioning officer is straight up, you know, telling her that she's a liar, demanding she tell the truth, etc. Which is usually the point where people go, I want a lawyer. But this episode is called Dumb Idiot Murderers. <laughs> Instead of that, Chasey admits to police that she had been having an affair with her friend Michael Garza while she was staying over at his place. Shocker. 
I still think she's innocent. <laughs> well, I'm kind of flat out saying she's not. <laughs> she she told police that Garza became jealous when he heard that Chasey said she was going to meet with Bob. Where she initially told police she didn't think Garza was responsible because he was out of town driving a big rig, she now says that she isn't sure, but still claims that she did not see any details about the shooter that night. The following is an audio clip of her interrogation, and it is one of the greatest things I have ever heard a police officer say, ever. You're this table length distance away. Somebody taking a shotgun, pushing it right up against your husband's head. Boom! No, no. Boom! And you're telling me you see nothing? You see nothing. He doesn't give a fuck. <laughs> oh my god. Damn. Like, Where that's is this again? Really crap. This is Texas. Okay, this is yeah, small town Texas. That checks out. And he's just like, You're telling me you didn't see shit? You didn't. Boom! Like, whoa, dude. Yeah. It's so much. The way it's, he says nothing, it's, too. It's graphic because, like, that just happened and a man is dead and that's terrible. But it's what I'm laughing at is the dramaticism yeah. of, like, boom! Being in an interview, and also for context, the this like officer has never had a murder investigation before. This <laughs> is like really? a tiny town. A First murder hadn't happened in this town in like years and years and years at this point. So it's just funny to me, like how just off the wall that interrogation it's like is. So theatrical. And it's also like. I'm sitting here in front of you, and it's so obvious that I'm this, like, upset that you're not admitting. <laughs> yeah. Like, obviously you had something to do with it. Nothing you're saying makes fucking sense. So, please, come on. It sounds Gosh. like in preparation for this interview, he just watched a bunch of, like, movies. It does, it does. And he's, like, totally he's like, all right, all right, all right. That's <laughs> I'm going yeah. to do the boom yeah. thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He probably walked he tried, out and was like, nah. He tried good cop before that. Did you probably. like the boom thing? I loved the boom thing. Yeah, he's definitely telling like his co-worker. He's yeah, like, yo, all, should I do the boom thing? They're all high-fiving in the That's back like, room. Yeah. Like, whoa! He did the boom thing! <laughs> As the interrogation continues, Chasey mentions seeing Garza's camouflage shotgun, like the one in his profile picture, at his home that night. Eventually, police wore her down. Chasey's iron grip on her story finally caved after a long, grueling two-hour interrogation <laughs> when she finally admitted that Michael Garza shot Bob Pointer. She told police that Garza had come up with the plan to make the murder look like a robbery, and Chasey went along with his plan. Her Jeep, getting stuck in the mud, was bait to bring Bob Pointer out onto the dark road to be murdered. Chasey made sure to tell police that she tried to stop the assassination last minute. She was arrested. <laughs> Two days after the murder, Garza turns himself in. One month after that, a farmer plowing his fields discovered Michael Garza's camouflage gun as well as a bloody shirt that belonged to him. Police knew that Garza's motive for committing the murder was due to his obsession with Chasey, to which she agreed in this interview with police that he was in love with her, but that she didn't much care for him beyond the habitual hookup. That is oh, cold-hearted. No. Oh. I believe that he's infatuated with you, uh, obsessed with you, 
I don't know what all you've truly told him. He had talked about us, you know, trying to live together, and I kept telling him, I, I don't want to live with anybody. Okay. And when he, when he told me he loved me, I kept telling him, I was like, that's a little soon. And I honestly, infatuated, yes. It's kind of hard to hear her at the end, but basically, uh, he's a simp. <laughs> he, she's not into him at all, and he's like, "I'll kill for you." Yeah. <laughs> Poor guy. Very. So we have and an idiot in, a, in so. love, and just an idiot. Oh, yes. Yeah. She. Cool. Well, we'll get to her shortly. There's a little bit more to learn about. Uh, Mischievous Chasey here. Don't ever let me say that ever again. Mischievous Chasey. Uh, yeah, nope, I didn't like it as soon as I said it. <laughs> I didn't like feeling like a, a strip club announcer. <laughs> Next up is Mischievous Chasey. Next up, why are they in line? I don't <laughs> understand. <laughs> yeah, that, sound, that sounded like an auction. Next not on like deck. <laughs> Mischievous Miss Chasey on deck. <laughs> in the hole. So like a diamond competition. Hole. Oh, no. I was thinking baseball. <laughs> I was thinking baseball. <laughs> On Chasey's phone, Garza had also sent her a text message that read, quote, I would burn down the world for you. Oh. Oh, dear. Oh, oh sorry. I read it wrong. Oh. I would burn the world down over you. Oh. oh. I'm sorry. Wait. That made it stupider. <laughs> I can't believe I like, made it better in my misreading yeah. of it. I said, like, on top of you? Or I, like, what? Yeah, what is that? I'm going to bury you in the world's ashes, and you're going to love me for it. In response to Chasey's, in response to Chasey voicing her frustrations about her husband, Bob, Garza texted, quote, I'll fucking shoot his ass, end quote. And also, quote, I rock an orange jumpsuit. End quote. <laughs> what? So he's cool with going to prison. He's talking about how good he'd look in an yeah. orange jumpsuit if he got if like he got put in jail for the murder. Planning that part? Huh? They're already planning that part? I guess so. I think it's for him, it's like he's like, I just don't even care. Like, yeah. like I'll go to jail, but I'll look good doing it. Like yeah. Uh, that level of uh, lack of uh, yeah, the, the tongue, tongue out uh, laughing <laughs> Hoboken thing I think I've ever heard. Oh, it gets so much worse slash better. Good. It does. Um, uh, Garza's murder trial went ahead when, after looking at the mountain of evidence police had, he confidently pleaded not guilty. <laughs> You're kidding me. His defense? Was he claimed there's no way he could have committed the murder when at the time it happened. He... He was milking his cow named Oreo. <laughs> Why you gotta tell us the name? Like, who cares? Boy, see it's town by Listen, ask up. Oreo. Hands on the udders just going at Was Oreo a witness? I couldn't kill no one. I'm shotgunning a cow, not a man. Yes, Oreo was called to the stand as a witness. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> no, seriously, it wasn't me. Ask my cow Oreo. I was he milking her. He didn't do her. it. <laughs> 
Yeah. His hands were down there the entire time. Wow. <laughs> oh, dear. That was his legitimate defense. What did he was he like his own event defense like um did I don't represent him I don't yeah. believe so but here's so, the thing I'm not sure because in my research I didn't see that but in my research I did see when he turned himself in he refused to talk to police but he also refused to ask for a lawyer <laughs> Wait but he turned himself in Yes he was like cuz the police were like we're looking for you where are you and he eventually was like here I am. <laughs> and they were like, okay, well, are you going to admit to it? I won't say anything. <laughs> Do you want a lawyer? No. I'd like to speak to my cow, please. Like, like <laughs> That's basically what happened. So I don't, I assume he had a lawyer for this trial, but also he said I w- couldn't have been doing it. I was with a cow. So Ew, I don't know. Don't say it like that. <laughs> I don't know. Well, not with a cow. <laughs> I think my guess is it's a state appointed lawyer who started regretting his choice of career path. Yeah, I think it was definitely like, which case did you, did you give me the Garza case? Please don't give me the Garza case. He's going to ask me to call the cow. <laughs> Oreo. If I throw him under the bus, can you like give me a raise? <laughs> It took it took the jury a whopping two hours to review the case and find Michael Garza guilty. <laughs> he was sentenced to ninety nine years in prison. Good. good. Well, at least he'll look good in that orange jumpsuit. Thing, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I bet he looks really, really good. Please tell me you have jumpsuit. pictures. Of I these don't. People. I I genuinely tried to find a picture of him looking awful in the orange jumpsuit, <laughs> but I couldn't find it. But I. You just found pictures of him looking super good in that orange <laughs> yeah, jumpsuit. Yeah, sorry. I only found pictures of him looking really hot in orange. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. He is the Jeffrey Dahmer of the Orange Jumpsuit. His, his roommate is Oreo. <laughs> <laughs> Oreo was arrested as a conspirator. That's his name. <laughs> oh, they threw yeah. Oreo under the bus. <laughs> Man, Oreo ain't doing nothing He's wrong. Seen some, Oreo's seen some shit. It's fine. Yeah. Chasey Pointer eventually went to trial, where she attempted to drag her late husband's character through the mud, claiming that he was an abusive husband and father to their young daughter. Police had never been dispatched to their address before, and family members all defended Bob Pointer as the wonderful dad and heroic firefighter that he was. It was revealed that Chasey had three different boyfriends at the time of her husband's Chasey. murder. Oh. <laughs> so Chasey. So she's got the dumbest of them to kill her husband for her. Her text messages with these men revealed that she was basically shopping for a lover who would be willing to kill Bob for her. I was her. curious about that. She was literally I did I should have I should have written down quotes but I was in a hurry. Um I she literally was like my husband's the worst if only someone would kill him. What would, do you think? Like so that's what she was doing you, with you, all these different men, and just Garza was like, "Okay, like, like he's I like, I burned down the world. I have a perfect alibi on you." <laughs> I oh, think yo. I think of the John Mulaney skit of like, "Hey, that guy sounds like he sucks. I would totally kill that guy for you." Wink, wink. Yes, that's, that's exactly like, it. <laughs> 
That's exactly it. So yes, she was she was playing a personal dating show of who's the dumbest guy willing to commit murder. Who's gonna kill my husband? Yeah, free car. You get a sexy orange jumpsuit, and you're gonna look great in it. Months before his murder, Chasey had also convinced Bob to make her the beneficiary of his life insurance policy, which was worth upwards of six hundred thousand. Dollars. Oh, there we go. She was found guilty of murder and was sentenced to life in prison with the possibility of parole. But she'll be 59 before she has the opportunity to get out. And that is the story of Michael Garza and Chasey Pointer, the dumbest duo in Texas. So this goes back to what I struggle with with the case where the best friend took the other best friend mm-hmm. out to the water and mm-hmm. killed him for an affair. These are relationships. No matter how deep you are into a relationship, children, grandchildren possibly, being honest with somebody is better than killing them. I do not understand. Well, yeah. I do not understand how these cases end up in murder when it's just be honest with somebody. I don't get that. It blows my mind. It's Well, I'll say if we want to compare this case with that one, um... In that case, God, I'm sorry, I'm already forgetting names, even though we just did I know, it last week. names are so um, hard. Uh, the, in the Mike Williams murder, which was where his friend took him out to, uh-huh. the, to Lake Seminole and killed him, um, it was his best friend who was having an affair with Mike Williams' wife. And the wife was very manipulative and basically yeah. like bullied... Um, the best friend into a corner of this is what I feel like I have to do and kind of indoctrinated him in her beliefs, kind of culty stuff, similar cult like, uh, uh, methods on things. Yeah. Yeah. Right. 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 And similarly. So in this case, it's kind of the exact same thing, just on a much dumber Dumber scale. scale. Yeah. It's, it's, it was literally like, the that's why that's why I started this episode off with I can't like this it's the episode about people who I'm like how do you even get out of bed in the morning how do you even get away with this because she was just so dumb and got lucky enough with a with a really dumb desperate dude that she was willing to just text for a bit <laughs> sleep with a couple times and still not care about him and convince him to commit a murder that they actually pulled off, even though obviously these people are just not high in the uh, IQ scale. So I don't know. It's 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 comparing those two. It's it's funny how one manipulator of a of an even weaker person leads to such a tragic event like that of knowing you can push someone to the edge to do something horrible that you want them to do for you. Yeah. And then I also feel like that's a, a, a certain amount of um, compartmentalization of I want this to happen, but I talk someone else into doing it. So I'm not doing anything wrong. Right. My, my, my lover killed my husband, but I didn't get a divorce because I'm a Christian woman. Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't have anything to do with the murder. I, my hands are clean. Like that, that type of mindset too is I think also very beneficial to those types of people who are good at manipulating others on whatever scale of 
effectiveness or intelligence or what have you. Keeps the hands clean. Yeah, and the mind, I guess. Like, you're tricking yourself into In going... some sadistic way, it yeah. somehow keeps the mind clean. Yeah. Right, yeah. Because, I mean, if you were, like... Again, a lot of the reasons that we hear about these cases is, you know, the perfect storm. And um, <clears throat> the fact that, like, none of these people are normal... Um, in, in that last case that we're talking about with Mike Williams, the, the, uh, the best friend, um, he actually was like one of the first people that we've talked about on the show where I actually was like, you know what? You fucked up, but I, I can see that you get it and you still like need to like go through your punishment and be sent, you know, to prison and everything. Yes. And, and all that, but I can see you get it and you feel the most human out of anybody we've talked about on this show, less so than the manipulative wife. And again, in this case, we hear about these cases because it's someone abnormal who either doesn't need to compartmentalize as much or is so good at compartmentalizing the different parts of their life that they don't kill someone or have involvement in that and then literally go crazy and immediately spill the beans. Right. In in regards to that, if we're going to continue other cases, um, I don't want to say too much more because maybe we'll do an episode on it at some point. But, um, of course, now I'm forgetting his name. It's the serial killer in Mindhunter. He's kind of the bigger guy. He's the co-ed killer. Yeah. I forget his name. Uh, but the co-ed killer, uh, as... All of his murders were about him taking everything out on his mom. Uh, he had a hatred towards his mother, and he had no problem uh, doing terrible, terrible things to these women and murdering them until he murdered his mom. And then as soon as he murdered his own mom, he freaked out and turned himself into police who had no idea that he existed. Hmm. So it's just interesting how in that case, it's like total psychopath committed like terrible 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 atrocities yet as soon as like whatever thing it is that breaks that ability for him to compartmentalize it all falls apart and you still like you can't handle it even though you've done all these mind-bogglingly sadistic things it's weird because i feel like all of these past cases like the killers were like to a degree intelligent so it's kind of weird. I, I, I can't find like another word other than like humbling. It's, it's like, it's weird because it's like, I usually we have to like go down a bunch of roads, find these people. It's, it's nice to hear that when people are stupid, they get caught quickly. Yeah. And I, I like to know that that's a thing. Because right. like all of the other people, like we've said a million times, perfect storm. So it's just like kind of worked out for them. But also right. they were smarter than these people. And it's, like, difficult, and it shows... I just like seeing the discrepancy between, like, quote-unquote smart killers and dumb killers. It's a person with a trigger. Nothing more. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it doesn't, like... You're cool. Yeah, there's no, like... Not that it would give you any value at all, you know, performing the murder in a in a better, more thought out way. It doesn't it's matter. All at all. Like, like it's, it's all bad. Like it's all, they're all terrible. Right. Every single one is terrible. Right. But I'm just, I like to know that when they're more stupid, they get caught quicker. That like <laughs> if if they're that stupid and it took as long as some of the other ones, like the one we just did, mm-hmm. like concerning that'd be very very concerning right and there are and some and, cases like that and, and we that's will talk the thing about it's like yeah it's i guess that's not there like, are some cases where 100%. there have been there's a couple serial killers that are 
dumb as rocks, yet somehow <laughs> they got away with it for years. I feel years. like a lot of that attributes to luck. Part of it, too, is a lot of time period stuff, like when we yeah. talked about yeah. uh, Yates last episode. Yeah. Um, like, just he started killing in the 70s and yeah. was traveling all over the place, and there was no digital footprint for the cops to go, oh, boom, 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 mm-hmm. here it is. Yeah, I feel like serial killers, like, back in the day were all pretty dumb to some degree. Yeah, kind of. Well, and, no, and, I mean, some of them, like, evil geniuses, mm-hmm. but also, like, some of them just, like, really dumb and we didn't have any like DNA or technology to and that's that part out. of why it was so rampant I yeah. mean there's a bunch uh, of reasons but that's part of why it was so spike. rampant in like 60s 70s when yeah. cults are all over the place Maybe killers so. are all over the place and it's, it was just that weird space of more information going out everywhere but still no digital place for it to go out immediately so, right. so killers were able to operate within that and I mean, gray area. Also, too, I mean, as like tragic and awful as all of that was for like people to be getting away with these awful, awful murders for so long, that's kind of necessary in the process of like learning to avoid that. Does that make yeah, sense? Yeah, it sucks because then you get into the conversation of like, well, you have to, you get into the acknowledgement that like bad shit's going to happen no matter what, no matter how well prepared you are and everything, um, just because. Uh, which is why um, I kind of boiled down when talking about true crime and like the hopelessness isn't the right word, but it does give you a sense of dread of like, you just never like anything could happen <laughs> in the middle of our last episode. Would you guys do you guys want to yeah. share? Yeah. Well, yeah, just I was like trying to ask us a question and then our like new roommate who just moved in. Um, texted us and was like, hey, are one of your boyfriends who are both sitting right here in this room with Hi. us on this podcast, um, like, did one of them maybe just walk in the house and then, like, She's walk like, upstairs and go back downstairs? Uh, like, just wanted to know if, the, if there was, like, reason to be concerned. And, <laughs> and I <laughs> said... No, they're both here. Yeah, you should be concerned. Question mark. She's like, yeah, maybe be concerned. <laughs> um, but yeah, so like, I mean, we were just like, we don't know what was going on. And someone just walked into our house singing and then like walked back out. Also, the doors were locked. So this person had to know, like, had to have a key. And um, <laughs> so she was just like, um, okay. Turns out everything was fine. It was a friend of one of our ex-roommates and they gave yeah there was Everything a miscommunication was okay. and just a lack of communication i was about to say there wasn't communication. yeah but anyway everyone's <laughs> safe and fine um my heart just dropped into my stomach for a few minutes right. there but so for a few moments you never know. We thought that there could have just been a complete rando walking into our house. Singing. <laughs> somehow. Took a bath. And, and, walked um, out, you know? Yeah, so. Which leads back to my point of things are going to happen no matter what. And the better mm-hmm. you prepare yourself is the best that you can do to know that you'll never be that. And taking individual responsibility is the best thing to do against these stories that we tell uh, from happening and from continuing to happen. Yeah. And I also think too, like weirdly listening to like true crime and, um, watching like TV shows and other podcasts and stuff and just talking about it. I feel like I'm hyper aware. Oh, when it makes I'm you paranoid. Public. 
Yeah. I mean, like sometimes I get paranoid when I'm home alone, but even when I'm just like out, I feel like I'm just like ready to go. Like, not that I am super strong. Do you like people watch more or like make yeah. note more of like subtle? If I see on? something, something I realized in the past like year or so that I do is like if I'm driving somewhere or see somebody or like somebody's like doing something suspicious and they're like in a car, I try to memorize their license plate number as fast as I can. I also do that. Thank you for <laughs> making me feel more normal. I do that all the time. I mean like, and then normally I like forget it, but I mean, sometimes I'll just like say it over and over again if I'm like really concerned about it or I'll like watch them. But normally it's just if they're doing something like wild and crazy and just being really um, like a bad driver, essentially. I don't know. It just makes me feel better that like, if I had to, maybe I could possibly recall this thing that would be helpful. Yeah. I think at the cost of being a little more on edge in certain moments, you do feel more prepared because of that. Thank you everybody so much for joining us. <laughs> if you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe and leave us a five-star review. That's a huge help toward allowing us to keep the podcast going and eventually make it a weekly show. And we very much appreciate your support. If you want to see photos from this case, as well as our sources, check out the link in the description. I'll see what I can do to find a picture of Oreo until next time. <laughs> I'm your host, Tanner Azanero, the odd one out. <laughs>